Hello and welcome to DKI, Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and joining me live all the way from Massachusetts, it's Crit Hit Jays. What's up, everybody? I'm a mess hole. <laughs> Ooh. How you doing this week, Jace? Uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, the weather's finally getting a little bit nicer, except now it's suddenly a sauna as opposed to cloudy, rainy garbage. So, But I'd rather it be sunny than cloudy, rainy garbage. <laughs> yeah, things are definitely heating up over here in Texas. I'm actually going to be going to uh, a Renaissance festival oh, cool. with some friends this weekend. Uh, actually, several members of the radio drama cast that are here in the uh, Dallas area. So very much looking forward to that. And it's going to be a balmy, uh, I think the forecast was for 93 degrees, which honestly, in terms of Texas, I'll take it. Could be worse. Yeah. Could be much worse. <laughs> It's it's funny because like I live right on the water. Uh, I, I live on the coast. And so uh, it's 72 and normally there's a sea breeze like it's unavoidable year round. So it's like not that cold during the winter. So we don't get a lot of snow, unfortunately. But like during the summer, it's, it doesn't get super hot. It just gets humid. And like, yeah, it's 72 today and feels like it's at least 79 because of the humidity. It's like. Yeah, wow. Okay, we went from like having a long ass winter to like a little bit of like spring and then just like well, that's Massachusetts in the face with summer. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes in your part of the country. Remember, yeah. I grew up in Maryland, so I'm used to having all four seasons. The way that we put it is not always in equal length or in the correct order, but Maryland generally is going to get all four seasons. Texas has summer for half the year a yep. month of fall then two months actually i'd say probably yeah six months of summer two months of fall two months of winter two months of spring and then it's six months of summer yeah that's about where we're at and we're now really into the later half of our spring the early part of summer which i suppose makes sense you know it's may yeah but uh we're getting ready for what's going to be six months of hot but yeah like i said yeah. 93 degrees i'll take this for now at least we're not in the dog days of summer where it's going to be you know late june july august yeah. september where it's going to be in the triple digits basically every day yeah i mean at least it was nice last weekend uh where i live because uh it was the cherry blossom festival in my town um which was really nice they do that every year at the uh uh the whitfield Mandra home and uh yeah, yeah the dc uh cherry blossom festival the national festival was several weeks ago actually a couple of my good friends got engaged at the festival it was very nice Aww, that's cute uh, anyways, tis, tis it's the season for romance after all it's the yes, spring indeed, season of anime yeah, and if you want to talk spring season anime and romance uh it we are now about the halfway point of the season and i'm at the point where i'm just fully invested on 15 freaking shows okay yeah, i guess we're I mean... doing this <laughs> and also apparently like i missed this uh hashtag not sponsored technically but still employed netflix is dropping a new anime next week um i forgot what the show is um but like there was a trailer recently where to go and we're not talking about bubble um yeah yeah i'm, I'm blanking we will on be right later, now but <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Uh, I'm playing on it right now. I'll bring it up, but there was some other anime that's supposed to be dropping on Netflix next week. I don't recall off the top of my head if it's going to be a weekly or if it's in a batch, but that's going to be a thing. Um, but in terms of actually airing stuff, I'm at this halfway point, and like I said, I expected to drop a ton more than I did. I think overall I dropped two, which was RPG Real Estate and Dawn of the Witch that, you know, you said you were keeping up with Dawn of the Witch, and I'm glad you were enjoying it more than I was, but uh, it just, it did nothing objectionable that I went away from RPG Real Estate because it was just sort of boring, and mm. the uh, Lolly character was a bit meh for my taste. Um, yeah, I mean, Dawn of the Witch I don't like the nothing. character, yeah. but I mean, at least it's not over-the-top fan service with that it's more like uh i mean i i'd compare it to a kind of modernized slightly more serious version of slayers that's that's kind of how yeah. it feels to me yeah so right just, down to having the I, inhuman characters yeah and for me it was that i wasn't really vibing with the main character but it did nothing yeah. that was horrible that they have another character that's you know it's a 300 year old witch who looks like she is uh in her uh teens and whatever but at the same time eh, while she has a eh, shall we say showy outfit it's not something that is too egregious and yeah. overall eh, there was nothing that i found terribly objectionable in terms of you know what the plot was doing what the characters were doing it just didn't really hold my attention when i had 15 other things to yeah. hold my attention i'm gonna be a bit more aggressive with the cuts but the fact that even in this aggressive to cut shows state that i'm keeping up with 15 yeah uh, that's the thing that i keep coming back to because i remain amazed with myself of just yeah all this stuff's good and some better than others that i, I have <laughs> my top shows of the season basically slated out at this point that if we're not yeah. counting sequels my top shows for this season so far are spy family obviously yep um then it would be uh heroines run the show and then birdie wing would i i would say are my top three non-sequel shows followed closely by love after world domination which i do want to talk a little bit about you know talk about romance and other things but just as a whole, we've got a lot of stuff this season. I hope that folks that don't watch a ton of anime are finding something here that even if you're not watching 15 like me, yeah, <laughs> there aren't that we don't have the attack on Titan this season. We don't have the ReZero this season where it's going to be the big, big, big name shows that people are going to be coming back for apart from, I would say, Kaguya-sama and Shield Hero. But mm. You know, those are big shows, but not necessarily the ones that turn everybody's head. But I hope that everyone at least gives Spy Family a shot because I think it has to be, I think it has the chance to be one of the next big things. But that also, yeah. I hope people are finding one or two other shows in this very strong overall slate. That yeah. um, in terms of, you know, people talk about uh, power level or in sports that the field of competition, it's a very flat field this season uh, with a couple noted exceptions, Spy Family being one of them, obviously. But overall, it's that there aren't necessarily a ton of shows this season that I look at and say, all right, these are 
all anime of the year contenders or shows that we're going to be talking about three, four years from now, but that everything here is just really good. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, like I, I, I'd put it down to my, uh, my top, uh, top five non sequel shows right now are, uh, in no particular order, birdie wing. I am so glad that I got curious about that. I mean, I even did a little research on it. Turns out the, uh, uh, one of the key people working on it and the character designer has been in the industry a long time, uh, dating all the way back to uh, working just like in between her and stuff on Cardcaptor Sakura. But I knew it looked familiar and he kind of got his style, like cut his teeth on shows like Licensed by Royalty, which I brought up uh, before when we were talking about Spy Family with that whole uh like western european type aesthetic uh to the show and uh tiger and bunny so yeah i mean like birdie wing tomodachi game uh of course my personal guilty pleasure love after world domination spy family and the dark horse out of all the shows that i was watching that i can't get enough of just because the drama is so well done and the animation is beautiful dance 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 here Mm, I was afraid you were going to say that because that's one of the ones that I was like, if I wasn't overloaded, I yeah. that's the one that's sort of top of my list to pick up. And so, it sounds like one that I'm probably going to have to go back to either. Shikimori uh, will usually, be that. Usually there's a week or two between seasons that that might be when I just go in and binge that one. Or maybe if next season doesn't have as many things that I can find time to go back for that. Uh, I actually found time to binge Arcane uh, this past weekend. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, so maybe I'll make that a project of mine at some point because I've heard very good things about that. But yeah, the Netflix a... binge drops make it so hard for me to keep up with the shows because I still need to finish Tiger and Bunny 2 and I still need to watch Ultraman Season 2 and... I don't even get high dive. And I realize now that I'm at least missing out on one show this season. Your boy Kong Ming. So yeah, it's like I'm missing I, out on that one, which I've heard is good. And I've also yeah. heard Executioner and her way of life are good. I yeah. kind of feel like I need to get it just so I, I feel like I need to get high dive. So we on the show have some visibility into that because I do feel bad that that's just a giant blind point for this show. And yeah. up until recently, it hasn't really mattered much because high dive would only have one or two shows that are exclusive a season to be fair they're only running at like three to five exclusive shows this season so it's still not yeah. a ton but they're starting to pull in some good titles not necessarily you know the the big triple a titles but these ones like kong ming and like executioner that are still punching above their weight class and that are drawing attention from the community at large kong ming in particular yeah. is one that, that makes I've me heard. happy too because i yeah. love the three kingdoms so it's just like mm -hmm. yes Zhuge Liang. <laughs> yeah, that I, I've heard a couple people saying that uh, the the luster on it, it might be wearing off a bit. Not that it's done mm. anything bad, but that yeah. um, it, it's needing to stay fresh. So obviously that's not to say that they can't, you know, reinvigorate things in the latter half of the season. But uh, there is that little rumbling that I've heard. And I, I hope, I hope that it turns things around, that it's able to get back to the fever pitch frankly that it had for the first couple yeah. weeks because that was a going off of its opening and then its first couple episodes that it really hooked a lot of people and i'm happy to see it 
Yeah. I mean, uh, plus I'm usually like, if I could afford it, I would totally have high dive just because I've always been a fan of, uh, ADV Films selections, which of course they are now Sentai Filmworks, so they are high dive. And I've always been a fan of just how uh I, I, I guess you want to say like curated their choices are. Um, where Funimation goes for the big, like popular uh series. Uh Sentai tries to find something a little more unique something outside of what you would see in the i guess you would say nowadays like mainstream the things that you well, see sentai merchandise. For a while sentai for a while especially in the mid 2010s like 2012 to 2015 that they went with what i referred to as the penny stock approach that they yeah. went with quantity over quality and said all right we're just gonna scoop up every dang license that funimation doesn't get or that, and just uh, sub it not even and, dub it yeah and just say that we're gonna subtitle a bunch of these and we're gonna see if any of these hit that then we will dub it as yeah. opposed to dubbing everything that we get and just sort of taking the gambles because uh, they would usually be getting shows that are to be frank ones that either weren't highly anticipated or had a lower production budget oh, niche. and it would be things that they would presumably not have to pay as much in terms of licensing costs per episode. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I'm sure that Funimation pays hand over fist for to get those like, big names. Um, yeah. Yeah. That for <laughs> one episode of Attack on Titan, that's probably the cost of a full season of some smaller show. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's sort of the penny stock approach that you say, all right, we're going to invest just a little bit here, a little bit there, and we're going to spread it all out. And if one of these lottery tickets hits, that it pays for everything else. Yeah. And uh, I think over time, they have become a bit more selective that they don't go with quite as many uh, licenses as they used yeah. to. Um, but at the same time, it, they seem to sort of be still in that sense going with a lot of different ones and just saying, all right, we're going to see what hits. And well, they're still around. So it's obviously worked for them on some level. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that there is some sort of competition to uh, Funimation because competition, of course, keeps your brand and your company strong. Um, I mean, that was a big issue with WWE for years being like the only game in town on television mostly <laughs> so i mean competition keeps you strong keeps you hungry and makes it so that you keep putting out a good uh high standard of content and competitive prices and everything and uh just having them around along with like nozomi and like the smaller guys out there uh it gives a little something for people to uh discover on the side because you never know like whether it's uh, sprinkled around, like I think uh, Discotech Media puts a lot of their stuff on Tubi TV as well, uh, and Pluto TV. Like the fact that you can find things on other streaming services that would be kind of most people would be like it's in their blind spot, and that's what High Dive is right now. It's a bit of a blind spot. Is, um, yeah, but uh, I mean, I got to rectify that soon because they also got the latest season. Uh, I think it was actually either this past winter or uh fall they get the latest season of sayuki reload gunlock and i love sayuki so of course i've, I've got to get high dive just to watch that show alone 
So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Before we go to our main uh, topic for the day, I do want to call out um, Love After World Domination. I know we've talked about it at relative length, and I just want to say, you know, it's so nice to tune into my lighthearted Sentai uh, Tokusatsu show and not be constantly sighing and being upset that there's uh, transphobia on the show. It's so nice to mm. not have that. It, yeah. It <laughs> just, uh, Kuroitsu, you could have been so much more than you were. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it, it was played off for like a one-note 1990s joke, unfortunately. And, and got reprised every episode and became the central focus of a quarter of the episodes, including the season finale. Yeah, you know, I mean, if it does get a season two, I expect them hopefully to address that a bit more. Oh, I don't. Um, I don't. Well, know. I mean, I... I see them doing comedy, but I see them potentially. Uh, there is a market for acknowledging that in your audience, and especially oh, yes. like. And let, let me be clear. I hope that they do. I would yeah. want them to. I do not expect them to. I'm just. I don't expect this it. Is I'm, I'm hoping to. Not yeah. uh, lack of confidence that it would be a good thing. Yeah, I uh, I try to stay. You know, I I follow the uh, Monty Python look. Always look on the bright side of life, and yeah. I would hope that despite cultural differences, that they would you know grow a little bit at least. Uh, that's and, why and I'm just so happy that. with Love After World Domination because it's just it's a wholesome heckin' time, folks. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I, good. Uh, it's between that and uh, you know one of my season two shows that i'm watching uh science fell in love it's like just boom right in the heartstrings i'm loving and laughing with every single episode of both these shows um the the episode of science this week actually had me freaking like gut bustingly laughing at it <laughs> oh are we talking the one that was released earlier today uh yeah yeah i actually yeah. managed okay, to yeah, get that I, one I, in I, same here actually so i do know what you're talking about it was very good it also sets up Something interesting for next week. Obviously not going to go into spoilers since that episode is not even six hours live. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> for those of you who enjoyed season one, season two, I would dare say is actually stronger than season one. It ups the because ante. It, well, not just that it ups the ante, but especially because we have broken out of the season one cycle. That yeah. season one was repetitive and it did it well, to be fair. Yeah. But... I like what we have now more. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely I I got to say that it it needed that time off to age like a fine wine. But rapidly age because it didn't take like 5 years to get a season 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this and, was a uh, very normal delay of, you know, about a year. Yeah. So so I mean, kudos to it for just uh hitting that second season stride, whereas a lot of other, I mean, it's, it can be said about any form of media that the second season or second movie or anything, that sophomore slump that often can kill a franchise. And this season two is not disappointing. It's better than the first one so far. So mm -hmm. kudos to science. Yeah. Well, let's get on to our main topic here. We discussed some time ago, Shonen anime movies so 
things like you know, the Naruto movies, the Pokemon movies, the Bleach movies, what have you. So ones that were based off of existing franchises and specifically ones that were in that shown in vain. Yeah. So uh, things that usually were either not canon or just did not have impact on canon. There were a couple yep. uh, outliers to that, of course, but it was a discussion of that particular segment of anime mm. films. And today we're going to be talking about original anime films, but we're also going to narrow that down a bit farther. Um, so this will obviously not count film adaptations for anything that uh, already had an anime. So naturally, none of the shonen films will be in this category, but that exclusion also extends to things like uh, there was a recent Fruits Basket movie, which had some mm. additional content. Uh odd taxi movie anything like that where if it already had the uh an anime that it doesn't yeah. count um we are going to allow it if there was like a book and then it was adapted to an anime yeah uh because those are actually fewer and farther between it's much more common that things will get a series than a singular film but yeah. we're also going to narrow it down a little bit more and we're going to for today exclude things by Mamoru Hosoda and Hayao Miyazaki, because mm. we think each of them deserve their own episode, that those are two of the biggest names in anime filmmaking today. And yeah. uh, honestly, we could just spend the entire episode burning through their entire catalogs and only have a couple minutes for each. So we will have those for another time. But we're going to be focusing on some of our favorite anime original films this largely coming off the back of Bubble, which, uh, as mentioned in previous episodes, was actually just debuted a week or two ago now on Netflix. Hashtag technically not sponsored but employed. And <laughs> hashtag total bias because Emmy plays Uta, the uh, main, the lead female in the film. So uh, those types of anime films are very much top of mind for us here at Digital Era Entertainment. Definitely get to seeing Bubble if you haven't already. But we figured, all right, that's something that is very original. It's different. And, uh, you know, when trying to figure out what the heck we're going to talk about this week, that's where we landed. So uh, we're also going to include OVAs if they are, once again, provided original and that they yep. are over 60 minutes. So if it's, you know, if there was a three-episode OVA where it was broken specifically into three episodes, that equals 60 minutes, but we're not counting it because it was intended as separate installments, separate chapters. Yeah. Uh, if it was a one-off short OVA, not counting. That is a short. We are going to sort of hand wave and round up, though, if there is a 60-minute or longer OVA and say, all right, that amounts to more than a short and that it is past that threshold where we would consider it a a film it might be a short er film but we would still consider it uh close enough to theatrical purposes yeah i mean the waters get a little muddy with opas uh because it's such a concept uh that i guess doesn't really exist in the united states i at the very I would least compare it to like really direct to video Hollywood. yeah i'd that, call it direct to video yeah it's something like direct to video or nowadays you'll get things like 
streaming specials yep. for very particular things, but even those are few and farther between. So yeah. uh, for um, the couple of outliers that we have, that this is, I think, mostly based on one title that Jay's had in mind. So we might as well start there. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to skip the other one uh, that I had in mind because it uh, it's interesting. It played as like six separate episodes that then got re-aired in theaters as two separate 80 something minute long movies and that's how they released it in america not so we're skipping that one over uh even though it was a really cool freaking uh thing and instead jumping right into this is a cult classic discotheque media has released it it's on tubi tv um and it's definitely something worth looking into robot carnival and it is um i'd i'd compare it media wise to heavy metal uh the american animated movie heavy metal where they somehow tie together a bunch of really unique ovas into this overarching but barely tied together uh story it, it was released in America a couple times uh, up until recently when the mo- uh, the actual true final version came out. But this is a list of some of the people who are involved in this, just to get you a bit of an idea here. Katsuhiro Otomo from Akira. Johi Saishi did some of the music in there. Um, we're talking a lot of people cut their teeth on this and they had little to no directing experience when they made this OVA movie. And it's everything from comedy to drama in this thing. It is absolutely it's it's a it's an experience. <laughs> it's made up of uh eight particular um shorts of sorts. Um because the whole runtime comes to 91 minutes. Uh and uh, they all kind of come together. You got the opening and ending, which were handled by uh, uh, Otomo. You had uh, Franken's Gears, uh, which was uh, kind of a, well, I mean, a Frankenstein type story. Uh, that was uh, uh, Koji Morimoto. Uh, Deprive was another. Robots were like the overarching theme throughout all of these. And Again, like that opening and ending kind of somehow tie it together into a package. Mm. Yeah, so that that's like I'm still trying to grapple with the concept I played it. If you had to boil this down, like give me the elevator pitch on plot. What is going on here? So what you got is a group of creators who would go on to be extremely influential and uh, prolific in the anime industry in films and animation as a whole that take on very unique artwork styles and they all follow a theme about robots in one way or another and each one is fully tied up into a package by otomo's beginning and ending so it is so it's almost an anthology film at this point. Basically, yeah, kind of like uh, the Animatrix uh, would be another good example of that sort of concept where it all comes together in the end. Uh, but throughout it, you kind of feel like you could have watched them all individually, too, without it, you know, really 
So it's so it's it's a pop uh, popcorn flick, you know, for the most part. And it's the sort of thing that you can kind of like if you don't like a segment in the movie, you can kind of like go forward or go backward within it, too. And, you know, because each one is so unique, like one of them is heavily inspired by AHA's Take On Me uh, music video. So, yeah. so it's it's definitely uh, if you are a fan of animation or you want to see where some of these people uh, really got their start. Um, one of the segments is called uh, Presence. A lot of them don't even have intelligible dialogue on top of it all, which is another kind of shocking thing for watching an animated movie. Uh, but Presence uh, was done uh, director, character, designer, Yasuomi Umetsu, who went on to do Kite. It's uh, another classic uh, OVA. Actually got turned into a live action movie with Samuel L. Jackson in America. So it wasn't Wait, very what? good. Kite got turned into a movie starring Samuel L. Jackson. I missed this. Yeah, it came out in 2014. I'm so curious. I'm Googling this now because what? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it wouldn't be the first time that Samuel Jackson had been involved in something that had anime influences because uh, he was an Afro samurai, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was the voice of Ninja Ninja, I believe. Let's see. Here. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, the, the movie's African on film, uh, Tubi. Actually, so it was based on the anime but yeah it was produced in south africa That's yeah interesting it's one of those things it's a very it's 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 a unique little footnote in i guess you could say anime to live action adaptations uh considering they've been very hit or miss over the years and kite is a very controversial uh, especially if you watch the original OVA as opposed to uh, the uh, like later TV series-ish version of it, you just kind of go like, oh, how are you even going to do that? Yee, wow. Like that first one kind of goes into like perfect blue territory, trigger warning for the original Kite OVA. Um, the movie doesn't quite really hit those notes. It's, it's, Again, it's an oddity. Watch it your own uh, discretion because, of course, animated live action, never usually the best. There's a reason why this was produced in South Africa. But I digress. It has <laughs> terrible ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Um, definitely several content warnings just sort of skimming over the Wikipedia article on this. Uh, it did not do well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also wonder if it didn't do well because the subject matter is so intense it, but it's it also definitely was a factor i think yeah it's it's definitely a combination of factors um but i mean i digress it's like i said this is uh for robot carnival it is a hell of a ride um just to mention a few other names involved in that uh mahiro maeda um worked on it um yoshiyuki satamoto worked on it uh, of course we know the name from evangelion dot hack um it is a great little time machine to see 
where these people got their start, basically, in a very unique package that you don't normally see from OVAs. Mm. That's that's interesting. And it's on Tubi TV, just like the live action kite. So it's free to watch with commercials. Nice. Uh, I'm going through a couple other ones, just sort of, you know, uh, perusing a couple lists of mine and figuring out, all right, what do I want to bring up next? I also think I want to exclude, um, I want to exclude Makoto Shinkai for the mm, time being. Yep. Um, mostly known for your name, also did Weathering yep. with You, five centimeters yep. per second, several others. Uh, suffice to say, very good stuff. Again, yep. he could probably have his own show. We could probably just do a full show on your name because I mean, of how big it was. Yeah, that one definitely was huge. It's uh, There are some big names, actually, that as I go through my list of things that I've watched or uh, you know everything like that, and I go, oh, this could actually be a whole bloody uh, episode considering like uh, one of the ones I thought about th- bringing up, and I'm like, we could save that for, uh, for an episode. Hiroyuki Imaishi. Uh, who did Promare and Dead Leaves. Because uh, Dead Leaves came to mind immediately for me mm. when it came to like unique anime movies that are not based off of prior media. And it was like, yeah, oh yeah, that was an asset. Over there, uh, Promare <laughs> seems like a perfect candidate for what we're talking about, that it has yeah. its pedigree largely in its studio, that um, yep. it is, as most people will probably know, because uh, Promare is a newer film that came out in 2018 or 19 if memory serves uh Um, 2019 yeah 2019 that it is uh the first feature-length original film from studio trigger so the folks that evolved out of gynax which is the studio that brought us gurren lagan and uh panning stocking and neon genesis evangelion but uh then went on to things like uh, kill a kill yep uh uh inferno cop many crazy over-the-top shows that's what they're known for their and legacy, i actually yeah. got to see the u.s premiere of oh, promare it was at otakon in 2019 and it is a trip and the way i describe yeah. it is one uh an important thing to keep in mind about promare was it had a seven-year production cycle that it was actually being worked on uh before kill a kill wrapped it wow. was put on the back burner for several years retooled uh from the ground up at one point and then later finished and released in 2019 so it had been through a lot and they accidentally made an extremely timely film um mm. without going too deep into the socio political happenings of the summer of 2019 yeah if someone didn't know the production history or realize how long it had been how long ago it had been written you would have thought it would have been a reactionary thing to current events yeah i remember sitting in the in the screening theater for that and just thinking to myself this is amazing but also oh my gosh they accidentally made a political film (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um i i mean it's one of those things where i i'm i'm boil things down i i don't want to 
make it too cryptic here. Yeah. Uh, I do want people to see, but basically it covers um it covers topics of discrimination based on heritage, geography, uh the concept of immigration and uh nationalism and things of that sort. Uh that there's a group of people that is basically being otherized and mm. uh just based on a lot of things that were happening at the time, that that was sort of a top-of-mind thing for people, especially in the United States. So it it was kind of... It's not funny that things were happening like that in real life, but I found it amusing that we had such a poignant allegory for it at such a timely moment. Uh, If anything, I think it's good that it happened at a, that time. I don't necessarily know if it, you know, made any significant waves, but it was still very nice. And goodness knows that movie, Promare, is basically it's what happens when a studio like Trigger says, "All right, we're going to take our considerable ability in animation and production for what we would normally span over twelve or twenty-four episodes and compress it into two hours." Because you can tell that they put the budget into that thing. And for all the absurdity and all the explosions that you would normally get in a Trigger show that would normally be spread out over 12 or 24 episodes, they compressed all of that absurdity and all of those explosions into a two-hour run time as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's it's funny because it's kind of a trademark of Imaishi because... Um, back to dead leaves that was production ig that did that one and uh it's just an assault on the senses of colors and action and the only difference between the two um and this kind of goes back into like trigger and uh uh i believe gynax actually did it um petty and stocking the bright colors constant action very kinetic frantic feeling that it's the equivalent that's what trigger does best yeah basically and it's it's interesting that it kind of gets its start in a bizarre movie about two people in this crazy intergalactic jail um I'd, i'd compare it almost to the adult swim show super jail to an extent like super jail meets fully coolie uh, considering that one of the characters has a TV for a head, um, and they uh, <laughs> just to, just to get this one out of the way, because um, there is a lot of dirty humor throughout this whole movie. Uh, the guy with the TV for head, um, actually, like another one of the inmates there, he has a drill for a crotch. Well, Foresha- drills are another thing that come up a lot in foreshadowing. Jordan uh, uh, Logan, yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, but Dead Leaves is a hell of an acid trip. It is like the equivalent of buying a bunch of dollar store sour gummy candy, dumping it into a garbage bag, and then just burying your head in the thing for 90... Or actually, Dead Leaves barely clocks in at an hour, yet it's considered a film, not an OVA, which is even more fascinating. It's kind of bizarre that it's such a short runtime film. But it was also made in 2004, so when you think of Trigger's style, 
being done yeah, well, trigger in did not exist in 04 that we're still in gynax years at that exactly point. because we're back in that time that triggers level of frenetic energy and colors and all that being used yeah i can see why it was only a 52 minute movie <laughs> i don't yeah, think the public would have been ready something... for that of that caliber in that age would have been even harder than it is today. And it's still not an easy task. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's so, I mean, Imaishi is definitely up there. I mean, he hasn't, as far as I know, like put out as many, uh, you know, movies as like a Hosoda or anything like that. But at the same time, you watch the stuff and, you know, as, as long as you can handle an assault on the senses visually, you're going to have a fun it's it's like a roller coaster from beginning to end watching any of his films so mm-hmm. i suggest dead leaves if you're in for some flashy animation and raunchy comedy moving to one that's definitely more somber but a name that people who are active in the anime community will likely recognize i would argue that it's actually one of the biggest original anime films that isn't by one of those particularly storied directors that we've mentioned and that would be a silent voice yes Uh, yes this was one brought to us by the good folks at kyoto animation Mm -hmm. Uh, it was directed by naoko yamada and it's based on a novel of the same name i believe Um, yeah and this is a very beautiful but also very, like I said, somber movie that this is a tale about, without going into too many spoilers, uh, a boy who bullies a deaf girl and is summarily uh, retaliated against by his peers that uh, a good thing at least happened in that, you know, the bully, this isn't a story of a bully who was just allowed to have free reign over this uh, deaf girl and that it's a movie about her trying to overcome the bullying uh in the first act that he starts bullying her and everyone in his class turns on him very swiftly so yeah you know a, as a proponent of you know anti-bullying do like to see that uh yeah things perhaps escalated a bit more than it should for a sixth grader who was uh, you know bullying not going to sugarcoat that but uh it got to the point then that the main character starts to experience their own uh mental and psychological difficulties and that you know the bully becomes bullied and uh uh, there is a a attempted self-harm warning that i will give here Mm, yeah yeah um and that the story is about him trying to atone for what he's done trying to get closer to this girl and to learn about the things that he initially bullied her for so Mm. uh it's a really beautiful story it was nominated for the japan academy film prize um, it lost to uh, two films that were very big in the same year, In This Corner of the World and Your Name. So, mm. like I said, I could do a whole thing on Your Name, but uh, this is one that uh, also performed very well in the U.S., that prior to Your Name coming out uh, in the U.S., it, for a couple months, I think it was, 
held the highest grossing anime film in terms of U.S. box office, not yeah. including things like Pokemon and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so really, really good one. Get some tissues for it. And like I said, I will put in that one attempted self-harm content warning here. But I will say that it is, it's not graphic or anything. Yeah. Um, I put this in as if, if mention and even a allusion to it is something that bothers you, you probably wouldn't want to watch this film. But this is still, this is a solid PG-13 film. Like, if it weren't for that, it would be a PG film, probably. Yeah. And uh, definitely nowhere near R. So, like I said, nothing graphic there. Still very approachable, something that you can watch with the family and that it's not going to be a problem. Uh, so that's a silent voice. And uh, like I said, a really a heavy one, but a yeah. really beautiful one at the same time. So uh, I'd say another uh, filmmaker that would be up there on the list. And it's a shame they passed away as young as they did because they gave us some amazing oh i think i know you're gonna say and they were another one that i was like are i kind of want to give them their own episode it's like i'm just gonna like lightly brush on yes yes i still have millennium actress on vhs so (laughs) that should tell you how much of a fan i am of his works you know it's just oh man like the the genres that he plays with I mean, it's it's hard to describe how his works are, but he definitely deserves his own episode because for as few things as he's done, it's certainly so prolific. I think another yeah. one that we should just kind of brush to the side for uh, their own separate episode, Gen Urobuchi, considering that uh, while he's not the filmmaker... I was going to say, Urobuchi written, is not primarily known for his films, I would argue. However... The, he has done a fair number of well yes film work he did too. bubble <laughs> yeah exactly he did bubble and he did another netflix uh one as well expelled from paradise oh that's right he did yeah so uh i i feel like he just deserves his own episode as well <laughs> yeah um <laughs> one very done, fun so. and silly one that it skirts an interesting line of being original because it technically happens in the same universe as another show but the trouble is this is an anime that traverses universe so it's weird and that's Mm. the night is short walk on girl huh have you seen this one i'm guessing not from your reaction no i haven't actually have you seen the tatami galaxy no i haven't seen that either actually okay uh well this is one that was directed by masaki yusa who is also known uh, for uh, the Tatami Galaxy, which is a anime, but uh, he also did Devilman Crybaby. Mm, uh, yeah, and several others. Very one. much known for the the style of his characters, and the Night is Short Walk On Girl is very much in the. It has the same characters, and like I said, technically the same cast as the Tatami Galaxy, but the Tatami Galaxy without going too much into it watch that one on your own it's really good really mm, mm. trippy it's it's a multiverse uh type of show okay yep with you know different continuities different timelines and just the idea of 
infinite possibilities. And The Nighty Short Walk On Girl is a film that follows a, the character that the main character of Tatami Galaxy is constantly pining after, that she's a minor character in that series, but she's the main character here, and it's her experiences in one night in this one timeline. And mm. there's that sort of overlap, but it's just, like I said, it, this is one that gets into a gray area because it's literally dealing with different timelines and universes. Yeah. Uh, and that it's the same characters sort of, but it's not following the story of anything in the main series. So it's weird and I wanted to bring it up. But it's a really hmm. good one, very fun. Uh, I also just recommend the Tatami Galaxy. This was one that was brought to my attention. Uh, I think it was Giguk, actually, hmm. of uh, now known for Trash Taste Podcast, but uh, had been doing anime content for many, many years prior and uh, has always uh, regarded Tatami Galaxy as one of his uh, highest rated ones. It was either him or the anime man. It was one of those two, I distinctly remember. Uh, that initially brought my attention to that series. So hmm. Night is Short, Walk On Girl, really fun one. Uh, only clocks in at 93 minutes, so not a huge commitment either. Definitely recommend that one. Uh, one other that is going back into the... Uh, uh, what, what's the phrase I, I want to use here? Just get uh, again, somber. Uh, hmm. Did you ever see I Want to Eat Your Pancreas? Yes, I have seen that, actually. The title alone had me going, what the hell? Yeah. And and I had to read up on it because, I mean, like, yeah, that's a literal translation of the title, too. Like, it just. Yep. And it does not. And and there is a line in the film where a character says, I want to eat your pancreas. And it makes sense in the context. And I will not give full spoilers here because there's a lot of stuff but i will say that uh the crux of the film is that a boy and girl fall in love yep girl has terminal pancreatic cancer yep and it it is about their time together and yeah yeah i I use the term terminal because it is something that is established very, very clearly and very early on that it is not something that is, oh, uh, you know, we think something's wrong with her pancreas. And then in the third act, it's revealed, oh, it is to the severity. It is known out of the gate that this is the situation. And that is part of the foundation of their relationship because that is a very big thing in someone's life, obviously. And it, takes a very interesting look at life when you know there is a a limit closer than you would want it to be. Mm -hmm. And again, bring tissues. Oh boy, bring tissues to this one. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Grave of the Fireflies level of feels-inducing. Now, this is not the onion ninja who's attacking you. This is like the onion boxer punching you in the face. <laughs> yeah, you see it coming. You know yeah. to prepare for it. It doesn't matter. You're you're gonna cry. Yeah. And the thing is, 
what makes this movie so remarkable, and it actually uh, had a U.S. release and did pretty well, yeah, um, is that it approaches and works with this very literally and figuratively grim theme in a very thoughtful and very beautiful way. And obviously we speak as people who fortunately do not suffer from such things, but it, I'd like to think that it is quite respectful of people who have those situations. And it is one that it hurts for sure, but it's a good hurt. And if you enjoy, you know, it's not spoilers to say that this is a tragedy film. Yeah. But if, if a good romantic and just overall tragedy and interesting character study is something that you enjoy, this is something that you should definitely make time for because there's not a lot of films like this, whether it's live action or anime. This is, it's very deep stuff uh it's it's not something that everyone will want to watch and i can respect that Mm -hmm. i am one person who i have said on multiple occasions to this day i haven't seen your lie in april because Mm -hmm. i I don't normally go for this type of fair yeah and i think it i think part of why i didn't want to watch your lie in april was that i didn't want to go through a full series of it but the concept of a two-hour movie uh, this one coming in at an hour or 108 minutes, so a little under two hours, yeah, was more palatable for me. And I walked out of that theater, you know, it, it's heavy heart, but still full heart, if that makes sense. Mm. It, it, yeah. it was a very nice film, highly recommend it. Uh, and obviously, those warnings all stand if it's not something that you want to seek out i would understand but if it's something that you think that uh would not bother you i think it's absolutely worth the watch Mm. so i think uh before we wrap up with uh bubble um i'd say this was probably one of the first anime films i uh ever saw uh a friend of mine had it on vhs um big fan of final fantasy so of course big fan of yoshitaka amano and uh, long-running novel series, Vampire Hunter D. It's, uh, got its, I'm not uh, familiar with this one. I'm, I've heard the name Vampire Hunter D in passing. I don't know anything about it. Okay, so we're talking, this was the 1980s boom of post-apocalyptic uh, animes, you know, Fist of the North Star, uh, things like that. Um, and... He's a half vampire, half human vampire hunter. So very much a blade type character, but picture pretty boy Final Fantasy type uh, from the old school like SNES days. Um, It was actually featured in the music video for Michael and Janet Jackson's uh, song Scream. Uh, Actually, (laughs) that's a fun little bit of trivia about it. But yeah, he's uh, he's got this. uh, I forget if it was a demon or not, but um his left hand has a mouth that literally talks uh uh, throughout the whole uh thing to him and uh 
it, it came out in 92 originally. That was the version that I saw. It got a re-release, uh, re-released by Sentai Filmworks in 2015, where they did a brand new uh, translation and dub for it. Um, and to this day, the series has been adapted into audiobooks and uh the i believe a few of the novels came stateside um i don't think it ever got a manga i'm not certain i know an american comic was apparently proposed for it and there's even a cg anime that's been in developmental hell since 2015 for it it is definitely a legend of the 1980s and early 90s in america for being an anime brought to the united states not adapted for kids so and uh i mean like you just have a really chill character it's uh very dark you know yoshitaka amano style artwork guy's got like the big brimmed hat long hair very much your old school vision of a vampire you know the elegant kind of the statty type thing and uh my God, he is just such a badass. Like it is, it is a definite must-watch type uh, type of movie. Mm. But closing out, what we originally kind of when, came up with the idea for brought this. us all this. That I discussed Bubble a couple weeks ago when it first came out. Have you had a chance to see it? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I've uh, to prepare for this. I actually watched a few movies uh, that had come out within the last few years because I have a projector in my bedroom. So nothing like watching a movie on a hundred inch screen from the comfort of your own bed. And nice. uh, I watched Very bubble nice. on it. And this is the kind of movie that like, if I had been watching it on just like a 32 inch TV, I don't think I could have really taken in how gorgeous and how action packed the parkour I scenes are. This had been in a theater. Yeah. Like, like this is a theatrical experience and it's one that it's it's not a deep film. I said this yeah. a couple of weeks ago when it came out that this is not one that's going to be remembered for its story. It is a movie that shows not tells. It actively flouts logic at multiple points and it has several interesting questions and world-building mechanics that it could have explored and it sort of yeah. looks at them and says, "Nah, <laughs> I'd rather just do parkour and look pretty instead. It, yeah. There's so many things in terms of, without major spoilers, that uh, there is a segment of Tokyo that is enclosed in this bubble. And there are, that it, it was this natural disaster, this strange natural disaster. And that while the broader part of the city has recovered, that this one area this bubble is closed off you're not trapped in it people can leave and uh enter freely and it's largely just cordoned off by authorities because you know it's dangerous and there's these weird gravity things happening in it and we don't know what caused it so stay out and most people do stay out and uh, the rest of the city has recovered but there are people who lost their families usually that these are young younger boys and girls who lost their families in the natural disaster and with nothing to no family no place to call home really that they found each other in this bubble and have sort of made their own society which revolves around parkour and parkour competitions to 
determine the allocation of resources, and it's not really clear where these resources come from in the first place. Are they provided by the government? How do the different uh, little swirling whirlpools work? What's with the gravity bubbles? Is there any consistency to them? I don't know. The movie doesn't seem to care. We just hand wave and have a very pretty time, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean... uh... You can raise so many questions that uh, a TV series of this would have answered, but you and wouldn't this have movie gotten... could have answered that. They could have spent yeah. a good five, ten minutes shoehorning in this that they already have a exposition dump at the beginning, and they could yeah. have made it longer if they wanted to. And frankly, I'm glad they didn't. I think you are onto something very interesting, though, Jace. That if this had been a series, they might have allowed and it might have been okay, but I appreciate the writers realizing, okay, if we were to actually spell out all of the nitty-gritty concepts at play here, yeah, we would just be inundating the viewer with jargon and exposition. So we're just going to not. Yeah, I mean... uh Overall, if if you try to, if you don't think about it too hard, um, one of the things that it really reminded me of with this kind of post-apocalyptic setting and, you know, city underwater and all that, uh, did you ever see Gargantia on the Virtuous Planet? I didn't, but we're also uh, yeah, we're, sort of we're bearing the lead kind of here that uh, the... Yeah inspiration for all this and it's very clearly spelled out because it is a central plot point in the film is Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid the original yep. version not the Disney version but you know the actual original Little Mermaid um there's a point in the it's either late first or early second act so it's still it like i said this is not spoiler territory really where uh the character that Emmy plays Uta who is in this case, The Little Mermaid, is literally read the book, The Little Mermaid, by another character. That This is one of those things where it's not subtle about what it's doing. And it, it actually provides that context because, to be fair, nowadays, I would say that the average person, whether it be in the West or in Japan, is not actually super familiar with the Hans Christian Andersen version of True. The Little Mermaid because we all associate that title with Disney. Yeah, and even then, there's maybe the few people out there, if they do associate it with something other than Disney, it might be anime fans because of Ponyo as well. Mm, That's fair, and we'll get to Ponyo whenever we end up doing a Miyazaki show. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's... It's so pretty. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it's definitely something that... If you got something big to watch it on, you have to watch it. If you don't have something big to watch it on, maybe just watch don't, it. Anim- just don't watch it on your phone. <laughs> yeah, don't watch it on your phone. I watched it on my laptop, admittedly, and I still enjoyed it. Um, if you are watching it alone on your laptop, that's okay because you know you can have a good vantage point on the screen and see it. I wouldn't, you know, get four or five people huddled around it because then no one's yeah. going to get a, you know, like <laughs> close to the screen. If you got um, an anime club at your school go for it like definitely just go for it because it is a you guys will be talking about it at least for a couple weeks even after you you're done watching it yeah and i suppose the benefit of them hand waving a lot of stuff leaves a lot of things open to interpretation that there's a lot of questions actually regarding 
the nature of the bubbles that's not actually explained. There is like there, there's some fundamental things about the phenomenon of the bubbles that just never actually gets a clear explanation. And it, at first I was like, okay, maybe this is part of them just sort of hand-waving and going through the motions. But having chewed on it a bit more, I was like, actually, it, it's probably a bit of that, of actually just, you know, keeping runtime and not bothering inundating and just going with the rule of cool. But yeah. also at the same time, it there's then questions of what is this? What is the cause of it? There's some symbolism in here that, you know, if you're a, a, an English teacher, a literature teacher, that you could assign some very interesting uh, essays and say, you know, yeah. what talk about the symbolism and what you think these things stand for. Because I think that if there was, you know, an, an anime club style discussion to be had uh, for this, that you could actually get some very interesting thoughts on it all. Yeah, so definitely watch this any way you can. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it in English, watch it in Japanese, sub or We obviously recommend English because uh, Emmy is Uta, who, like I said, the female lead, and she does a wonderful job. Uh, Uta doesn't speak a lot in the first half of the film, and a lot of it is efforts. Uh, so, you know, yeah. the, the soft grunts or just, yep. you know, it non word vocals and that's a very difficult type of voice oh, acting, yeah. actually because you need I've to emote <laughs> without words and keep it from sounding weird and yeah it's uh it's vocal in that. It, it is a fine line to walk and yeah. it's the type of thing that you look at it and say oh it, she doesn't have as many lines so it's easier no it's harder yeah yeah i mean like as somebody who's done voiceover before and I've done sound effects for uh, some vaporware games, thank God I got paid for it at least. <laughs> um, I will say that sound effects, uh, the grunt work, screaming, anything like that, it takes a lot of freaking effort. It's typically the last thing that you record when at least working on games and stuff like that because it's that taxing but when you're doing a script and you're following it from beginning to end to be able to put through that effort to emote and get a realistic sound for your effort to, to match that character and not hurt your voice for recording the lines later on in the story. That is just a freaking it. It's like climbing a mountain, you know, and, and, massive applause to her because i watched it in english and i'll watch it in japanese because uh as as i say on my dating profile on one of them okay cupid has a question sub or dub and i'm like as somebody who does voiceover i can appreciate a well-acted and well-directed dub which this is but yeah. having studied japanese and japanese culture i also greatly can appreciate subs this is the kind of movie if you want to watch it twice you're probably going to watch it like seven times because <laughs> it's just that beautiful. And I definitely think that it's something pause you can pause it at any point and have a good background for your computer. Yeah. So if, if you can take a screenshot of Netflix somehow. <laughs> uh, and if all the stuff that we're saying isn't getting you uh, this film, it feels like it was engineered to just have pedigree because yeah. it was done by wit studio. So, yep. um, 
Vivi Fluoride Eyes song, uh, Ranking of Kings, uh, um, Spy Family. Yep. So very, very good. Written by Gen Orobuchi, who we mentioned earlier, most known for Madoka Magica, things like Psychopath. Yep. Um, uh, has first also actually season worked of Attack on, on Titan. Yep. Uh, and speaking of Attack on Titan, it was directed by Tetsuro, Tetsuro Araki, who directed Death Note, the first three seasons of Attack on Titan, Guilty Crown, and several others. The music was done by the prolific Hiroyuki Sawano, who has done many, many amazing scores. Um, one of them being actually uh, Attack on Titan, uh, Kill a Kill. Uh, I'm just sort of going through some of the lists here. Seven Deadly Sins did Promare, actually. Um, 86, which was uh, another one that we've discussed at length. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of really big names. And it's the type of thing that, like I said, just don't go in looking for the big story here. That if you're looking for an Attack on Titan or Death Note level story, you're going to be disappointed. If you go in expecting a ride, you'll have a good time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, God, I was I was hoping that from tying all that together, that, uh, man, what? I mean, it's it's an original anime. Uh, technically, I don't think there was a manga based off of it, um, despite the fact that Clamp did the character designs. But uh, Code Geass. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. This, there's that, there's that your reference. reference. Yeah, Code Geass <laughs> is uh, not eligible for films today. There were films, but uh, it's not original, so we can't talk about it. But we still mentioned it. Thank you. And I think that's a great note to end off on. Uh, spent a couple extra minutes just gushing about Bubble because, you know, really good. And also, we love Emmy and super excited for her to be able to have such an awesome role in such a gorgeous, gorgeous film. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can like, comment, subscribe for all of Digital Air Entertainment's wonderful shows on all of the wonderful platforms here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And on YouTube, you can find the trailer for our now Honorable mention winning uh, upcoming game, Kokoro no Pro, which is our visual novel wrestling dating sim that's being headed up by RJ and Mario. You can visit our sponsor, Image Anime, at imageanime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P, for free shipping on orders of $100 or more. And you can get Digital Air Entertainment merchandise at digitalairentertainment.streamelements.com. I will be back next Thursday with RJ and also next Sunday for the next installment of HCW Hollow Live Championship Wrestling. So uh, if you've been keeping up with that, or even if you haven't, we always make sure that uh, anyone who is listening in for the first time is able to get in on all of the crazy drama that we write there for our fantasy wrestling booking show based around the uh, famous VTubers. So definitely tune in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And other than that, uh, I think that's going to about do it for us. So thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been episode 107 of DKI. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Watch Bubble. Bubble.